Well, good evening, everyone. Good to see you here for our last uh, Advent midweek. We're going to continue on through our sermon series on who Jesus is. Tonight we talk about that Jesus is the son of Solomon and what that means, what that meant for him, and what that means for us here today. Uh, One announcement, um, Elva Nelson passed away last night, and her funeral is this Friday at 11, uh, uh, sorry, Saturday at 11 o'clock here. Um, the visitation is Friday from 5 to 7 at Buchanan in Monette. Um, Elda was our oldest living member. She was 97. And uh, somebody asked me um, today when I mentioned that, they asked me who the, who's the oldest living member now, and I didn't know. So we'll have to, I guess, go through and, and check it. <laughs> it's not Walt, that's right, that's right. So there's one down. Okay, right, that's right. Um, Okay, uh, why don't we open tonight with a word of prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, we are thankful for another Advent midweek where we have the opportunity to gather together uh, under your word and under your name, the name that is above every name, uh, the name uh, by which we are saved. Uh, And so, Lord, we ask that you would bless us tonight, be with us, send to us your Holy Spirit, uh, your Angels, Lord, all of the company of heaven uh, as we worship you here. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. And so we begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. So we begin again, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the son of David. Jesus is the son of Abraham. Jesus is the son of Solomon. Jesus is the son of Mary. Jesus is the son of sinners. Let us worship Jesus. First hymn is Lift Up Your Heads, Ye Mighty Gates. Hymn 341, verses 1 through 4. Hymn 341, verses 1 through 4.
If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God will be faithful and just, will forgive our sins, and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us then confess our sins to God our Father. Merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us, forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may be loved in your will and walk in your way to the glory of our In the mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ was given to die for us. And for his sake, God forgives us all our sins. To those who believe in Jesus Christ, he gives the power to become the children of God and bestows on them the Holy Spirit. May the Lord who has begun this good work in us bring it to completion the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We continue with hymn 341, verse 5. Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we implore you to hear our prayers and to lighten the darkness of our hearts by your gracious visitation. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. The Old Testament lesson for this third Advent Wednesday comes from 1 Kings chapter 11, beginning at the first verse. King Solomon, however, loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughter, Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittites. They were from nations about which the Lord had told the Israelites, you must not intermarry with them, because they will surely turn your hearts after their gods. Nevertheless, Solomon held fast to them in love. He had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines. His wives led him astray. As Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods. His heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God, as the heart of David his father had been. He followed Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and Moloch, the detestable god of the Ammonites. So Solomon did evil in the eyes of the Lord. He did not follow the Lord completely, as David his father had done. On a hill east of Jerusalem, Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, the detestable god of Moab, and for Moloch, the detestable god of the Ammonites. He did the same for all his foreign wives, 
who burned incense and offered sacrifices to their gods. The Lord became angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice. Although he had forbidden Solomon to follow other gods, Solomon did not keep the Lord's command. So the Lord said to Solomon, Since this is your attitude and you have not kept my covenant and my decrees, which I commanded you, I will most certainly tear the kingdom away from you and give it to one of your subordinates. This is the word of the Lord. The epistle comes from 2 Timothy chapter 4, beginning at the sixth verse. For I am already poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. This is the word of our Lord. Please stand for the gospel reading. Then some of the Pharisees and teachers of the law said to him, Teacher, we want to see a miraculous sign from you. He answered, A wicked and adulterous generation asks for a miraculous sign, but none will be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And now one greater than Jonah is here. The queen of the south will rise at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom, and now one greater than Solomon is here. This is the gospel of our Lord. We recite together the words of our Christian faith. We do so using the Apostles' Creed. It is found printed in the back cover of your hymnal. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again, he ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. Three seven five. 
all. Pray with me, please. Dear Lord, may the meditations of our hearts and the words of my mouth be pleasing in your sight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Grace and mercy and peace be yours this evening from God our Father and through the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. This Advent, we're asking the question, who is Jesus? We learned from Matthew's genealogy, specifically from chapter 1, that Jesus is the son of David, and Jesus is the son of Abraham. That's in Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. Tonight, we continue with these verses from Matthew 1, 5 through 6. Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab, Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth, Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. And so who is Jesus? Jesus is the son of Solomon. But what does that mean? It's easy as pie to begin, but it's tougher than nails to finish. Pick your pie. It seemed that easy for Solomon when his father David died. Pretenders to the throne included his half-brothers Amnon, Absalom, and Adonijah. Solomon had them eliminated with the greatest of ease. Solomon's enemies included Joab, Abiathar, and Shimei. They had been slam-dunked, no problem. Anointed by Zakuk as king of Israel at the Gihon Spring, Solomon came out of the starting blocks like a greyhound after jack rabbits. All the money was on Solomon, he the tenth of David's seventeen sons. In 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 7, Solomon calls himself in Hebrew a Na'ar, just a kid. But we would call Solomon a kid wonder. He spoke 3,000 proverbs, and his songs numbered 1,005. Solomon described plant life from the cedars of Lebanon to the hyssop that grows out of walls. He gained control of two international trading routes, the Via Maris along the Mediterranean coast and the King's Highway that connected Elath to the south with Damascus to the north. This is an Old Testament way of saying that the stock market was up, unemployment was down, and everyone was living high on the hog. Solomon needed no lessons in Greek or in Hebrew, no lectures on eschatology or angiology, no field work. He didn't need a vicarage. LWML problems? He says, cut the living child in two and give half to one and half to the other. Problem solved. Building problems. The scourge of the ministry. He says to Hiram, who was the king of Tyre, my people will talk with your people. This corporate merger brings about, among other projects, the Jerusalem temple, the royal palace, and the chariot cities of Hazar. 
I'm trying to figure out how to say this next name. Megiddo and Gezer. If there was ever a surefire candidate for the ministry, it was Solomon. For the first ten chapters of 1 Kings, Solomon is awesome. But, but, but. In the eleventh chapter of 1 Kings, we have these words. Solomon had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines. And his wives led him astray. Pastor Lessing relates this account. He says, One summer night, my wife and I were sitting outside with some friends in their backyard, and there was this constant zap, zap, zap. It was the sound of bugs, bugs hitting a bug zapper. A light attracts them, the fly, they fly in, and they get, well, they get zapped. And as I sat there, I began to wax philosophical. And I thought, you'd think these bugs would see the tray littered with other impulsive bugs. You'd think that some bug would say, wait a minute, I'm not going to blindly follow my desires toward that light. But you know what? Bugs don't do that. And neither does Solomon. Forgetting the words of his father David in Psalm 27, verse 1, the Lord is my light and my salvation, Solomon flies toward other lights, 1,000 to be exact. And the result? Zap. 1 Kings 11, verse 3 says that his wives turned his heart. They turned his heart to follow detestable gods and goddesses. And so there goes Solomon in all of his glory and his splendor, and zap goes his kingdom. In 1 Kings chapter 12, it's actually cut in two. It's easy as pie to begin, it's tougher than nails to finish. And so, like Solomon, we are great at beginning. We begin with unbridled enthusiasm, high energy, a never-say-die attitude. Like hot knives that cut into butter, we tear into new projects, new classes, new relationships. But, 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 as time goes on, we get weary, fatigued, and impatient, and we get bored. Then we zoom toward different lights, dazzling lights, deadly lights, at least a thousand of them. Lights of pride and power, position, prestige, prominence, even pouting over poor. Poor, pitiful me. Then zap goes the joy of our salvation. Zap goes the passion for the lost. Zap goes zeal for the word. We all know what it's like to fly toward godless lights. And suddenly we find ourselves lying in a tray littered with dead bugs. Matthew chapter 12, verse 42 says this, that one greater than Solomon is here, and that one who is greater would, of course, be Jesus. Jesus is the son of Solomon, but Jesus is greater than Solomon. Jesus himself was surrounded by lucrative lights. But Jesus not only began strong, he finished strong. And for him, it was tougher than nails. Because along with the nails, there was the, scour there was the scourging and the mocking 
and the spitting and the beating, slapping, sweating, bleeding, and crowning with thorns. Still, Jesus finished. He finished in spite of his own disciples' kiss of betrayal, in spite of his friends running for cover, in spite of his countrymen clamming for his death, in spite of his father's abandonment. Jesus finished. Look and listen. The sky is dark. The other two are moaning. And there is Jesus, taking a deep breath, speaking these words, it is finished. The veil is torn in two, the blood is poured, the curse has been removed, the sacrifice complete, death defeated, paradise restored. It is finished, Jesus said. Now was this a cry of defeat? By no means. Had it not been for the nails, I dare say that a triumphant fist would have lifted toward the sky. This is a cry of victory. And so tonight, just here, just now, lackluster finishers like you and me get no zap from on high. Instead, we receive the Father's welcome and a shepherd's loving hug, a friend's infinite love. And the life of Solomon, if the life of Solomon goes to show that it's easy as pie to begin with, then the life, death, and the resurrection of Christ proves that though it is tougher than nails, he finished for us. Hebrews says this, Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured at the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Amongst this cloud of witnesses is Moses. Moses, who himself registered last for classes and got advanced obscurity Remedial Waiting, loneliness, loneliness 101, and Introduction to Working for Your Father-in-Law for 40 Years. But Moses finished strong. The Bible says that Moses was 120 years old when he died, yet his eyes were not weak, nor his strength gone. Also in this great cloud of witnesses is Joshua, surrounded by ten spies who needed a checkup from the neck up, whose first job was a 40-year stint in the Sinai desert. But he too finished strong. Joshua 24, verse 15 says this, Choose this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And then these words for the ages. Five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and day in the open sea. The Apostle Paul finished strong. He writes in 2 Timothy chapter 4, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the, the course. 
I have kept the faith. The entire cloud of witnesses demonstrates that in the fight between the stream and the rock, the stream always wins. Not through strength, but through endurance. Finishing strong doesn't mean finishing first. It doesn't mean finishing without blood, sweat, and tears. Finishing strong means daily fixing our eyes on the world's only true light, Jesus, the Son that is greater than Solomon. And here is what Jesus promises. That he, the same words that were spoken to us in the absolution, that he who began a good work in you will finish it in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We continue by collecting our tithes and offerings. Please fill out the red sign-in book that is found in your pew. We will collect our tithes and offerings. We welcome you to this evening's service. Assisting in the service, the pastors, Reverend Jake Sletton, liturgist, Bruce Sletton, lay minister, organist, Mrs. Susan Seneger, Acolytes, uh, Gabby James, and Sadie Bennett. If you didn't hear at the beginning of the service, uh, Elda Nelson passed away. She was 97 years old. Uh, funeral is Saturday at 11 here at Trinity Lutheran Church. Visitation is Friday evening at Buchanan Funeral Home in Monette. From 5 to 7, the visitation. This is the third week of Advent, the last Advent service. Uh, next Monday is Christmas Eve service at 7 o'clock with the children. And then Christmas Day is at 10 o'clock. We wish you a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Thank you, Lord, for blessing us so we may be a blessing to others. Please stand for the prayers. Heavenly Father, hear us as we praise you for the beauty and power of your word. Not one word of all the good promises that the Lord has failed, made has failed. Grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. My word will not return to me empty. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The darkness will never overcome it. Heavenly Father, we will slow down and take a deep breath. There is no need to panic. We know because we have your word. And his name is Jesus. 
In his name we pray. We pray together. The Lord himself taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. Because Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and surely Christ is with us always. The closing hymn is, What Child Is This? M370, M370.
just one announcement as a heads up. So the ch the um, the children's Christmas Eve program is at 7 p.m. and then we will have Christmas Day worship at 10 a.m. So just wanted to let uh, everybody know and remind you if you're planning to come on the Christmas Eve service and I pray that you do. If you've never been to one before, come early. This place is packed. Um, and so if you want to get a good seat, uh, you, you want to uh, show up in a timely fashion. If you show up at 710, you'll probably be standing in the, in the back and you won't be able to see uh, very much. So Christmas Eve, uh, Christmas, the Christmas Eve children's program is at 7. Uh, Christmas Day worship is at 10 a.m. And uh, the Sundays are normal. On New Year's Eve, we will be having a time of a hymn sing and scripture reading that will be at 7 p.m. on New Year's Eve, and I hope to see everybody there. this worship service has been a benefit to you. We commend you to God's blessings for this Christmas season as we await the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. This has been Scott George, your announcer.